In today's episode of Crypto Over Coffee, we're talking about the surprising change that Apple is making, not really by choice, that could be a major factor in the next crypto bull market, as well as major speculation about Binance's financial stability and a whole bunch more that you're not going to want to miss. That said, you know the drill, grab yourself a coffee, make sure you are subscribed and stick around for the entire episode. It's going to be a good one. Now, in the thick of a really tough bear market that we have in crypto, it's really tough to cut through the negativity and think about positive trends or positive ideas that might carry us into a new bull market one day, whether that's weeks, months, or years from now. However, today I want to talk about how Apple could have just inadvertently and not really by choice provided a massive boost to the next phase of crypto and NFT growth. Just recently, a set of provisions passed in the European Union or EU for anti-monopolistic purposes would require Apple to allow third-party app stores or marketplaces on Apple devices by sometime in 2024. Why is this significant? Well, because for years, Apple has come under fire from developers and consumers alike for its extremely stringent and limiting rules around in-app purchases and application stores that require developers to facilitate any type of sales on Apple devices through Apple's own App Store, and Apple takes a 30% cut of the action. Furthermore, Apple outright bans alternative forms of payments within apps like cryptocurrency. A well-publicized example of all of this at play, in the crypto space at least, was Apple's treatment of Coinbase's mobile wallet app, which was blocked after Apple requested a 30% cut of NFT sales as if both were in-app purchases. Of course, Coinbase could not comply with this and was forced to limit and or remove those features. So without an alternative app store, developers in this space in crypto have basically no choice but to pay fees or remove or limit features that follow Apple's guidelines for apps in their particular app store. This new law in the EU could open up the potential for a third-party app store or DAP store, decentralized application store, that serves Web3 applications and interfaces to popular blockchain-based decentralized applications on public blockchains. And these apps would theoretically not be subject to Apple's stringent limitations. As you well know, mobile is still among the fastest growing and well-entrenched ways that users interact in the digital world every day. And Mobile has long been touted as this huge frontier for mainstream adoption of crypto. It just hasn't really materialized. The general policy-related blockers associated with Apple devices and their app stores has meant that crypto and NFT adoption on iPhone, for example, has been rather limited with exception to uh, smart contract wallets, wallets, and portfolio trackers. But this change in policy could signal a major shift in the tide. Imagine every one of the iPhone users on Earth being able to fully access the world of Web3 directly from self-custody with their phone. It would be really significant. Now, the one caveat that I must mention here is that this only really applies to EU countries right now. So this would not be a sweeping global change that Apple has to apply. There are similar laws that have been floated in the US and other countries, and I've actually found some of that idealistic legislation there, but it's unclear how those laws are going to fare in actual voting. However, this is a major thread to keep an eye on over the next couple years as we hopefully move out of the bear market and back into at least a stable place to build from. It's very possible that the mobile frontier will be a major catalyst for crypto in the years to come, so we're going to have to wait and see how all this plays out and whether or not Apple's App Store situation in the EU does create an entire environment for Web3 apps. As if we hadn't had enough of the speculative whirlwind of negativity already, though, 
Rumors have began to swirl this week, and really prior to that, that Binance, the largest exchange player in crypto, is actually secretly facing insolvency or financial turmoil and might meet the same fate as FTX and others. Of course, these fears were stoked further by a really poor performance from CZ, the founder and CEO of Binance, on a Twitter space and TV interview where his answers to some questions about Binance left a lot of room for speculation and concern. For one, he made comments on a Twitter space about how self-custody or users holding their own crypto in their own wallet rather than exchange could be a risky move, citing that 99% of those who self-custody will lose money doing so. And this was, of course, read as CZ trying to subtly convince people to stop withdrawing from Binance in the wake of multi-billion dollar outflows from the exchange in recent days. And then that fear about CZ's motives and what's going on behind the scenes was only compounded when he went on TV and gave some really unconvincing answers as to the financial stability of Binance when he was prodded very directly. And I get they were tough questions, but still the answers did not inspire confidence. And finally, as a cherry on top, the organization that did the proof of reserves audit for Binance, among several other exchanges, randomly announced it would cease all crypto-related offerings related to proof of reserves, adding again to the suspicion that it was somehow related to Binance. All those reports from Binance and other exchanges on that platform disappeared. With all that said, I really don't think we have enough information here to give us clear, data-driven indication that Binance is undeniably against the ropes financially. But there's a lot of speculation during a time where fear is totally warranted given what has happened to date. And there are some concerning things sort of in the space right now. The truth is we don't know. And when you don't know, you need to take the path that makes the most sense for you from a risk management perspective. And don't get me wrong, I trust Binance with my crypto about as much as I trust Superclips to cut what's left of my hair. But there's not sufficient evidence, at least that's out there now, that Binance is categorically insolvent or is there sufficient evidence that they are financially stable. So we don't know either way. It's just a big gray area. And I agree that CZ's answers on his recent interviews on TV and Twitter spaces have really not inspired confidence. Though to be honest, CZ has always been really bad with his public statements and is in dire need of someone to proofread and make sure what he says online and on interviews makes sense and is very clear and sensible based on what he's trying to convey. My general feeling about this whole situation is that everyone should 100% excuse me, remove crypto from exchanges altogether. Learn how to safely self-custody your crypto and use exchanges only for what they're for, to exchange and trade crypto and then get it off. It's that simple. And myself and others have been saying this for years, long before FTX even existed. So I don't care if it's Binance or if it's any other exchange, don't treat it as a long-term parking lot for your crypto. If Binance does fall, though, due to its reserves in BUSD, BNB, and Tether, it won't matter much where your crypto is because it would likely take us back to the Stone Ages for a good long time anyway. And I know it's pessimistic, but that's just the truth. So I'll keep you posted right here on this channel. If I see anything at all that's tangible evidence that Binance is at major risk of implosion, so make sure you are subscribed with notifications on. But right now, I don't see any definitive answer one way or the other on that thread. The one area that we need to watch, though, is whether Binance does in fact get hit with charges from the United States for money laundering or some kind of other investigation related to its dealings with FTX. Because if that happens, a lot of information will start coming out as that investigation starts to unfold. Now, 
My friends, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found, which is a firecracker of a segment on the show where we bring attention to the illogical happenings in the crypto space. And if you want to help the show get some attention, which would be much appreciated, please hit the like button, get subscribed, follow the podcast, share it with your friends, whatever you can do, really, really appreciate it. And today is an atypical one because the subject of today's 404 is me. Yes, I am throwing myself under the bus today, but let me explain. You may remember that one of my videos during the height of the bull market, I think probably in the summertime, pointed to SushiSwap as a high potential play for DeFi and that new features such as the major Trident update to the DEX, the Shoyu NFT marketplace, and just the general shift to DeFi would be major catalysts for growth for the protocol. Back then, this seemed like a sensible hypothesis. There was plenty of data and liquidity and growth in DeFi to back up the idea that SushiSwap could have captured plenty of that market share. And there were plenty of new features on the way that I thought would win users over in competition with other DEXs back in the day. However, this is where things started going off the rails in a way that I think was a huge lesson for me, and maybe it will be helpful to you. As time wore on, the cracks began to appear for SushiSwap, faster than I thought, too. Features that were long promised continued to lay undelivered. Communication was very poor, and rumors had started to circulate about leadership turmoil within. There was a major developer exodus, which was originally postured as a willful departure of the main developer, and then other developers that were following that main developer just left of their own accord as well. We later found out that was not true. More on that in a second. The red flags had begun to get raised ever so visibly on the horizon for SushiSwap, but as human beings often do, the attachment to a hypothesis and seeking validation of that hypothesis mired my judgment and delayed action on reversing course. Shocking. Now, things have gotten somehow even worse for Sushi nowadays, which I'll talk about later in the show, uh, so stick around for that. But I talk about seeking to disprove one's convictions or hypotheses and shake the grip of confirmation on bias on this show quite a bit. And I share this with you to illustrate not only how important it is, but how hard it actually is to do this, even if you know that you should and you commit to doing it. Because if you fast forward again a few months from my initial hypothesis around sushi, I'd ignored those original rumblings and warning signs. But it became very clear that these warnings were not just warnings, they were preordained. Because December of 2021, a lot of things happened. The CTO of Sushi at the time, Joseph DeLong, announced his departure with an open letter referencing his many failings. Leaked messages and information from reported Sushi employees recounted tales of internal leadership infighting, frivolous spending, misallocation of funds, and all kinds of other improprieties that eventually led to the departure of the aforementioned developers. So the developers did not leave on their own. They were really forced out. The CTO and a large swath of the core of Sushi really had issues here. By this point, it was far too late to salvage my failed hypothesis on SushiSwap, and for no other reason than my unwillingness to see past what I wanted to see, I got burned. Anyway, it's a 404 logic not found in every instance, and it's a lesson that every person will likely learn at one point in their life. And I say this not to be self-deprecating, well, I guess maybe a little bit, but more so to make clear that I make plenty of mistakes in crypto, despite having been here well over a decade and learning every single day. So you're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. 
but learning from other people's failures is far more efficient and far less painful than learning from your own. So I hope this was helpful for you, at least on principle, and maybe a bit fun to laugh at me or laugh with me at my expense. And there is more on SushiSwap coming up, so stick around. Very interesting. They're in deep trouble. Speaking of mistakes, by the way, those of you who might have at one point in time sent an ERC20 token to uh, Coinbase that wasn't supported on the platform and lost it, Coinbase just launched a new feature that will help users recover those mistakenly sent ERC20 tokens on the exchange. This feature, albeit way overdue, is a great move by Coinbase for many reasons. More importantly, it lets users who have likely had nothing but losses and bad news lately to recover some of the funds that they might have considered lost. That's nice. Even if it's not much, it makes a difference. Every little cent counts. But beyond that, for Coinbase, it's really clever timing to launch this feature because intentional or not, this is a moment to earn trust with customers that you have their best interest at heart. There's a lot of concern around exchanges. So Coinbase launching this user-centric feature now during a time of relative turmoil and distrust of exchanges, distrust that's warranted, by the way, Coinbase is extending a proverbial token of trust. Well, literally tokens in this case, but you get what I mean. They're building trust with customers who are really wounded right now. Better yet, Coinbase set this up so you could recover these tokens straight to your self-custody wallet. So they're not requiring you to drop those funds into Coinbase first or convert it to some token supported on the exchange so that you use the exchange. They're not trying to generate exchange revenue for trading of tokens with this feature. So today, around 4,000 ERC-20 tokens are available to be recovered, and you can claim those assets by providing the transaction ID for the erroneous transaction, as well as the inbound Coinbase address you erroneously sent to. Just to let you know, there is a 5% fee associated with recoveries of tokens worth more than $100 net, but no fee for recoveries under that value. So if you've ever sent a token to Coinbase by mistake in an ERC-20 capacity, it is worth trying to recover those now because... You never know, maybe you'll get a little bit of that back. Now, during the 404 Logic Not Found segment about SushiSwap, I briefly alluded to the fact that things are not looking good for the project now, even under a transition of leadership. So let me elaborate on that a little bit more. It was reported recently that SushiSwap's treasury, which is the main bucket of funds that drives development and operation of the protocol, was running a significant deficit and not going to cover runway for the project through the bear market. The details of this deficit were outlined in a governance proposal shared by the core team with the community, which indicated a reduction of expenses from $9 million to $5 million, and that resulted in only an 18-month or one-and-a-half-year runway for the project based on the current treasury balance. So even with less expenses, they only have a year and a half of runway. This points to a systemic problem within the token economics of the SushiSwap protocol. Not enough funds are moving into the treasury for a litany of reasons, including lower volume, wide allocation of fees from the protocol to different user types, and overall imbalances in the economic elements of the protocol, things like emissions. This governance proposal outlined a plan to bolster the treasury to give the project the runway it needs to avoid the risk of falling apart altogether, and it would allocate for a temporary period of time 100% of SushiSwap fees to the treasury until token economics changes could be implemented to better balance things midway through 2023, give or take. Of course, users who participate in the protocol via staking and LPing were angry because they would no longer get a cut of the fees that they feel entitled to. And I actually get that. It makes sense. But we're talking about a threat to the existence of the project here. 
if you're staking and the project dies, you lose it all. So it's not clear what's gonna happen here, but it's pretty grim to only have 18 months of runway in a bear market where decentralized exchange volumes are nowhere near where they used to be and far from guaranteed. So the forum post, which I'll post in the description, uh, and the thread around the governance proposal makes the stakes very clear. This proposal passes or the project will likely die. So it's really wild stuff, folks. I encourage you to read it and check it out. And in other news, the blockchain-based domain service Unstoppable Domains just announced an integration with the wildly popular and often used Block Explorers Etherscan and Polygon Scan, which are the main hub for all kinds of on-chain data like transaction information, smart contracts, and more for Ethereum and Polygon, respectively. Those who have addresses mapped to their unstoppable domain, you know, .crypto domain, for example, will be able to search on Etherscan and Polygon Scan using those human-readable names instead of the long, unruly addresses. This points to one of the major user experience benefits of on-chain resolution of domains to addresses, whether that be unstoppable domains or ENS, etc. It aggregates your multi-chain footprint of addresses in this case for EVM compatible chains to one easily readable and shareable name. Having this feature built into some of the biggest block explorers out there is surely gonna to continue to normalize the use of these domains in crypto. And that helps realize this goal of having a unified profile that's portable across multiple blockchains and interfaces. So my hat goes off to Unstoppable Domains. You know I'm friends with them, really like what they're doing. So well done to them. And with that, my friends, that is going to do it for Crypto Over Coffee today. I want to thank you so much for checking out the show. And a quick shout out, there's this company called Brick Road. They make these awesome ceramic, Japanese-made, high-heat-treated mugs. They've got this really, you know, general ceramic exterior, nice black interior, perfect coffee mug. And they donate their proceeds or a piece of their proceeds to mental health charities, which I really like. So if you stick around to the end of the video, you're in the market for a new coffee mug. I'll leave a link to their Instagram in the description and if you have some time to stick around there's another video that i think you really should watch i'm going to put it here on the screen really important information for you in the crypto space so until next time folks until q a that is cheers <laughs>